Great. So thank you so much for joining in. Uh, welcome to the Security Rabbit Hole podcast. And in this week's Friday Night Security um, show, we got uh, the nefarious cousin of cybersecurity, which is called social engineering. I'm your podcast host, Shubham, and with me is our special guest, who is a world-famous social engineer. <laughs> she is a pioneer in uh, physical security and people hacking. As far as the Twitter bio goes, she also is an ethical con artist. Uh, she has been an advocate of cybersecurity ever since. Uh, she has she's been on many chat shows, podcasts, and we are super grateful to have her on our podcast, Security Rabbit Hole. Jenny Radcliffe, welcome. Oh, thank you, Shubham. I'm really <laughs> pleased to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Absolutely, absolutely. So you've been in the industry for a long time. Um, you are well versed with what social engineering is. What, according to you, is social engineering, and why in 2021? Um, this is one of the biggest flaws in infosec industry as a whole. Well, I mean, my definition, there's a definition everyone knows, which is the manipulation of uh, human right. factors, right, to, to gain unauthorized access. But I, I, I kind of push it a bit further, and I, and I say it's the act of weaponization of human error is my definition. Because you are, right. that's what you're doing, you're weaponizing the things that make us human, Um if you're doing that from an attack perspective uh, you're doing that uh, to do something criminal and from a defense perspective we're doing it from an educational point of view um and, and I, I guess to answer the second part of your question that it's still an issue it will always be an issue because if a human can make something a human can break it if mm -hmm. the humans are involved they can be coerced uh manipulated persuaded bribed and we all, yeah. you know, everyone gets tired. Everybody gets emotional about certain things. We've all got something we wish to protect and something that, um, you know, we wish to keep private. And all of those things mean that there'll always be a flaw where a human's involved in terms of security. So no matter what the tech does, there are humans at the heart and the tech is there to save us. So people forget that sometimes, I think. But that's why it'll always, <laughs> yeah. be, it'll always be current. It always a current flaw, and I think that industry is is seeing a lot of traction in the past couple of days, when it couple of years actually, when you see all these attacks coming in from email chains or social media. Mm -hmm. It's like, hey, click on this link, and um, I think even though you train a particular employee or a company to not do this through campaigns, um, internal campaigns, people just click on it. Uh, it's, I think it's the nature of you know your thumb clicks as in on your phone as well as clicking on your mouse yeah i mean i mean we're gonna catch you know you're gonna catch someone off guard at some point you don't have some enough point. coffee or you know i've i've known intelligent people be caught by phishing emails that were ridiculous <laughs> really but that on the particular day they received that email it had some resonance you know there was just something about mm. it that, that made sense to them that day and if you spray and pray 100,000 phishing emails, someone's going to yeah. click, you know? One of them. You just need one. You don't need yeah, all of them. You need one. And it's like you say with yeah. all, the, all the tech and everything else. But look at email. If you have a huge organization, 10,000 employees or something in, in one building, um, it's 10,000 potential ways in. Mm -hmm. It's 10,000 potential mistakes, 10,000... People who maybe one day feel ill or tired or off the off the game. It's mm -hmm. just 
that's why social engineering is security. Everything else for me will always be something to try and help humans not make those mistakes. But essentially, mm. it's got to be people at the heart of it because that's really that's really the only reason you should be in the game of human security is to protect people. I think I think you um, you said something that social engineering is the real security um, and kind of resonates very much with me because um, it it is the earliest form of cybersecurity, earliest form of security yeah. um, in the world. You know, you know, people have been bribed or conned in, uh, you know, the con game back in the 70s here in the US was a big deal. You it got religious people, you got people everywhere and it, they just con you for money. You know, but you I, I always say social engineering's like been around since the first human that looked at another right. human and thought, I want what you've got, but I don't want to work for it or pay for it. I'm going to right. deceive my way. That's so it's, it's, it's really the deception game and it's been around as long as humans has, and it'll be around as long no as doubt. we're around for sure. Yeah. At least one part of the industry is growing <laughs> ever since. So when, when that, so that is covering the, um, you know, the manipulation part of it. Do you think, um, in your expert opinion, does physical security is taken seriously in the industry as far as the digital security is taken? Or is it an imbalance in that? Well, I think, I mean, I've got a lot of friends with CISOs and things. And, and, mm-hmm. and, and, and it depends like anything. I mean, <clears throat> most of them would say we're, we're more interested in the digital side of things, and you know, than someone coming into a building and like carrying off a, a computer or whatever, which is true. Mm-hmm. Um, except that if we can manage to steal a computer, or we can put a key logger in, or, or, or you know, put a pineapple in the building or something, that that it's the same thing. So it's a shortcut, really. I think most I think most professionals look at it holistically and say we don't want to be physically breached either. Because everything's a blended yeah. attack. We're not really in camps, you know. I think I, th- I think there's a tendency in the security industry to put us in camps. You've got the social engineering camp and you've sort of got, um, you know, the the CISO camp and then you've got the hacker camp and then you've got people who are, who are devs and secure by design camp. Right. And, but really, yeah. it's, it's, it's just we're all in the same game and we've all got mm-hmm. um, expertise. And it's no good having every... I mean, I, I the first talk I ever gave on this and one of the first lines I said was don't talk to me about security i'm underneath your bed and it was like yeah and i and i said it because i said you know uh i'm everything you wish wasn't there uh i'm the voice inside your head and it was because i was a bit uh, annoyed because i got i was late going on and and i threw my talk away and decided to write a poem while i was waiting to go on right and and, and they right. were the first lines of that poem and the thing is it's so true it doesn't matter what else you do. If someone's in the house, if someone's in the building, you can still do a lot of damage. You're already in. You're yeah. already in, and it's quicker. You know, my technical people that I've worked with in the past, tech teams, people who've worked with me on my crew, they can get in and spoof the way in and get past things if you know they're patient enough and they do the phishing campaign. But like often, when I when I sort of started out, um in the security business, uh, in cyber, sort of working with cyber, it was people just asked me to get, it It was just quicker if someone could go in and plug it in. It was just quicker if you could put a USB in. With malware on it, right, it was just quicker. So it's it's, it's many ways to achieve the same aim. 
I guess. Exactly. I think I think that part where um, because of that, it, it's been changed so much that it's not not that easy these days to just go to a building in, go to the server rack and then plug in a USB. That's why the digital part of it has taken over. Uh, but I see I see that I see where you're coming from uh, as the industry grew and you were in in between that progress as it was growing into a different evolution the thing is that, yeah yeah I, I mean the thing is is that i'm not really i never really was i mean i'd steal the odd laptop if that was what the client asked for but i was never really about that I, you're not in a building necessarily to take a certain mm. thing you're in a building it can be reconnaissance you know you're just there to find mm. out because as i say you're interested in the humans and, and from an insider threat perspective the best thing that we can do is get on the inside in some way and have someone working with um, the threat actor. And so to oh. do that, to gather information on that, to see it, to observe, requires you to be in. So I might never take, yeah, I might go into a building three or four times and never take anything. I'm there to oh. see what, to, to, to work out what's going on. Although when I am inside a building um, and, and sort of looking around, you know, there's many a building I don't want to go back to. <laughs> And I was because there's terrible things when you start being nosy and the humans are, are there every day. You know, it's just awful, the stuff that you see. And yeah. I mean, sorry, I'm off on a tangent, but it's just, okay. I, I was saying yesterday to a friend of mine about a company that I always used to, that they were so lovely and they always asked me to go into buildings. Um, yeah. You know, sometimes a couple of times a year and then it sort of tails off a little bit now. And now they asked me to do covid based pen tests which are very funny in some ways um really? but i just yeah i'll tell you about the covid testing said, but but i went into to find so what they were saying is you know standard test go in see if you can you know what can you find um if you can get past mm-hmm. security wander around the building what can you find that might be a risk to the business so I'm looking for things like password written on. I mean, this is going back a bit now. We're still looking for things like password written on post-it notes and, you know, thumb drives and, and all this type of thing. <laughs> and so you, I'm in at night and I'm starting to look in drawers and things, looking for, for, you know, looking around. And I always made a real point of not, you know, being minimal invasive. I'm not interested in, you know, because you find out people are having affairs and things if you nose around. Oh, wow. <laughs> and I'm not really interested in finding that type of thing. You know, but I opened a drawer and and I'm in the UK. I opened the drawer and there was a gun. Right. Now it was hidden. Yeah. There was a gun. Now you're in a you know, you're in a quandary now because is it is it real? Is it fake? I I was in a pistol club from when I was sixteen. I think I know what a real gun looks like. Absolutely like, oh my god, because I'm sure I'm like, what's that in there? What's this piece of metal? Oh God, like presumably it's not bloody loaded. But now what do I do? Right. Because now I've found that and I've found over the years, you know, oh God, just disgusting things like dirty handkerchiefs in people's drawers and underwear <laughs> and, and and all sorts of things. I found in one guy's office that I was actually hired to investigate him um, right. because wow. the company weren't happy and they thought that he was doing bad things and he was doing bad things. And we did some OSINT research and, and various other things. But in his office, there were keys. And there were keys everywhere. There were keys sellotaped under the desk. And there were keys sellotaped to the bottom of mugs and behind sort of charts and things on his walls. You know, nothing wow. that I could imagine or that a writer could imagine. 
um, is as strange as what people do. That you know, I, I think there was a quote I put it on my Instagram, and it's a man is not what he is, what he says he is, it's what he hides, and that's really yeah. what we're looking for. We're looking for what do people hide, um, and that and and that gives you <sighs> that gives you what people truly are, the things that people think are secret. The food people eat when they when no one else is there, no one can see what they eat. Yeah. They're not cooking for anyone else. Mm-hmm. Tells you everything about somebody's mentality. Um, wow! And I mentioned the COVID test, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like it, I mentioned the COVID test, and they, it started to come up during lockdown here in the UK, sort of back mm-hmm. end of twenty twenty, of like because um, we went back into lockdown around about October November time. They sent the children back to high school, and it just spread. And I was get like, do you still do physical pen tests? I was yeah. like, eh, I don't. You know, you like, I do. I don't. Was it how much is it, and how difficult is it? And they said, well, can you do a COVID test? And obviously, it'd be perfectly safe because hashtag COVID. Mm-hmm. So maybe, maybe it won't. And I just took an um. You know, one of those yellow, the like yellow plastic tent shaped things that you put on the floor, and it says caution wet floor. Correct. Right, the, yes. the janitors and cleaners put out. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. I took one of them and I had a little pad. And in the UK, we've got these little pads. We've got an app, which we spent, you know, the cost of the country on that didn't work. But we have these pads <laughs> and you're supposed to put your name and your email and your phone number <laughs> if you go into certain bars. There are also QR codes and things, but, but people do right. that. And I just knew. And I had a mask on and I had a high vis on and the, the hood up and everything. And I, li- I could literally have done anything nobody's going to question wow. me because the minute anyone questions me, I just go COVID. Not even COVID <laughs> inspector, you know, COVID manager, COVID warden, just COVID, one word, and people go, oh, okay, sorry. So I put the yeah, yellow you know thing. What you're doing. <laughs> so we got into a building. I've never told this one before, but fact fans who listen. We got into a building. I got into a building. And I went up through... Uh, not exactly a fire escape, but more or less a fire escape. Got onto like a low roof, and this is last year, so I'm getting old for oh, this wow. now. And there was a, <laughs> I have a series that I occasionally, I occasionally post on Instagram. Weird things you see on roofs. If you're a burglar and you get on roofs, you see strange things. And this time, it it looked like a a bath sponge that had obviously been on the roof mm-hmm. for years and had moss on it and everything. But I got that, went through the window got into the room, and before too long, a couple of people walked past. And obviously, the building's empty. There's just a skeleton staff keeping sort of keeping the lights on. Right. And they go like, excuse me, why are you in? Why are you here? And I went, COVID. Right. COVID, in an angry way, which people don't like. They don't want confrontation. And I oh, forgot to do it. And just put the yellow wet floor thing that I'd literally written with a marker pen, COVID. So I crossed out... <laughs> Wet floor <laughs> and just wrote with a sharpie COVID. Oh, put it outside the door and just said, please, that's the distance. That's two meters. That's the distance. Yeah. Six feet. They're quarantining it. That's it. And they went, oh, wow. oh, right. Okay. Nothing. Nothing, nothing, nothing. I'm giggling as I'm doing it because I just thought wow. this is just crazy. Yeah. yeah. And based on the way this the pandemic happened, it's just that when when you see someone doing that, in your head is hazmat suits, 
and um, quarantine the movies, the whole nine yards, however it is on movies. Like, okay, if I get in touch with it, I'm going to get infected. So let her do whatever just, she's doing. Just, just you know, and it's her. that it's a combination of context and a kahunas. Yeah. Uh, and just and just the emotional charge of anger. People, particularly UK, mm. depends on the culture, but in the UK... So if I was in Italy or Spain, I'd have an argument with my hands, or France. If I was yeah. in the States, with my accent, someone would probably try and help me. But in England, nobody wants an argument. No one can be bothered arguing. Right? This is someone else's problem at this point. And right. so I knew it would happen. And so, it, it, so, it, so though that seems like such an obvious... Uh, scheme it takes a lot of experience to work out that that would work in that context with those people you know right and that's because you can't be wrong hmm? right you can't be wrong in that you can't be saying okay let me take that back uh if you said something wrong or incorrect because then the whole uh, ruse is gone and right? what you can't do in any of these and you know people often ask me about skills to be a you know a burglar so a physical infiltration specialist and and what you can't ever do ever is show any doubt so you oh. have to have it's not that you have to believe it that's nonsense you don't have to believe it. you're not a you know you're not a delusional but what you yeah. have to do is you have to have utter faith that that they'll do as you say so if you're mm. using an authority ploy also faith that they'll there has to be no question in your mind that they would argue with you because the minute you show doubt and it's like with guard dogs the minute you show doubt they're all over you you have to just all know you. that you're in charge it's what the um law enforcement have have labeled a command presence i believe and they'd know mm. right so right just show command but it, you don't have to be believing in the sense can you emphasize a little bit more on that because it's not it's a two-part game to most people that okay if i am a physical inf infiltration specialist you know mm -hmm. with the terminology um, i am basically stealing something and i need to make that mindset in my head that i am that person but you say the complete different right no, you, you, that's, you yeah, no. yeah you don't believe in that no, because you should, if if that's a criminal, like that's not that's mm. not a security consultant, that's a criminal, um, right? And and you you know I certainly wouldn't advise anybody to to do this without permission, um, right? You know, in any country. But the problem is, is if you start believing that you actually are robbing that bank, or mm. you know that you are some sort of Jason Bourne figure, um, right? You are go you are going to fail because you're not right. right because that's Hollywood and that's the movies. So as much as um, I, I've, I've told lots of stories and, and it is sometimes very exciting and there are, I mean there really are, uh, you know, chases and explosions and everything else. There there, there are over the years there've been. Um, you're not that. So what 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 I am? Yeah. I mean I've spoken. You know you mentioned you know I've done I've done interviews before where I've spoken about situations where. Uh, like give me an I'll give you an example. <laughs> I did a job <laughs> in uh, Europe, and okay. it was an early morning job, and I had to get into an office and get into a, a a desk, and there was a safe and things in the room, and they were throwing all kinds of money at security, and it was sort of quite a loose brief, 
And I and I just went in and I did the job quite easily. I was just w- more or less walked in a very early morning, got found the office, you know, did did all the things in the office they wanted me to do. And then when I got to the door, the door was locked. So I was in mm-hmm. the office, but I couldn't get out. And I had nothing with me to get out. I had no picks or anything. Very re- This is all I, and it very rarely would take a lock pick or a bump gun with me on a job. I mean, for goodness sake, that is the last resort. Because right. if I can talk my way out, I'm going to talk my way out. I learned very early on it was a lot easier uh, to talk my way out than to than to blast my way out or to, or to like, mm. you know, run across a roof, much as I've done it many times. <laughs> right. Mm-hmm. But I would never take that. That would take far too long. And I can't explain it if someone searches my bag. So it's right. like we t- like I don't take um I take uh mints, so um extra strong mints, uh like a chalky mint with me on a job. We use it as chalk. And the reason is, is if I have chalk in my bag, it's harder to explain than mint, but the mint will work like chalk, right? So, mm. so I wouldn't take a lockpick in case I was searched. So I've got no lockpicks. I can't get out. The door's just well and truly closed. What do I do now? And I could have, you know, there's various ways that you could do it. But the window was high and it has a big, thick window ledge. So the easiest thing for me to do at this point is to get out the window ledge. And I'm, I'm about four stories up. But just walk around on the window ledge. I'm not frightened to height, as you probably can work out. And just walk on this thick window ledge and find the fire escape or an open window and just get out. That's the easiest thing. And I walked Mm -hmm. along and I looked. And like I say, they were spending a lot of money on security. And I looked through a window and there is what appears to be a couple of burglars robbing a safe (laughs) in the next office. (laughs) So I thought, okay, this is either they've hired a second crew right, or it's actually thieves this is happening and at this point this is happening and at this point i'm on the windowsill and it's like there's all sorts of variables hitting me and i'm thinking what do i do now at that point if you're jason Bourne or you know james bond or whatever what right. you do you know you, you kind of you tackle the burglars and you avoid the police and everything i'm not that what i actually am is a plump english woman four stories up right very aware of of the bizarreness of the situation and just thinking, just hold your nerve and, and leave and let the police deal yeah. with it, you know, because the police are coming because I can hear them and I'm assuming it's for this and it might not have been. So it's so it's, it's um, yeah, I definitely don't advocate breaking the law. Right. Although back in the day, of course, there was plenty of times when it got, it seemed it was quite close and I probably should have asked more questions, but uh yeah, it's uh, you're not a secret agent or a superhero. You are a security consultant, probably taking unnecessary risks. Right. Yeah. So at that time, how how high were you? How high? Yeah, like four it's stories. Not four stories or... off. It was very high up. Yeah, a big thick. Yeah, that's, it's not that's a high enough to. Ledge. It's a big yeah. thick ledge. I mean, it was it was okay. it was wide enough for two people to to walk along so i mean i'm not in that much danger yeah wow and you witness this like oh i'm doing this for legal purpose these people are doing for illegal purpose did anything cross your mind maybe the i didn't know i I do know now what the outcome was but i'm I'm not going to kind of say but like you know they were throwing a lot of money at security and it was what you've got to understand in my job is that you is that the clients are unpredictable. 
like completely unpredictable. Hmm. Clients will throw curveballs at security consultants doing physical infiltration for just because it's fun. Because for them, this is a fun thing to try. And I've right. had clients deliberately uh, circulate my photograph with the entire business on an email that morning, and then I'm supposed to break in. I've had, uh, <laughs> I mean, there was one place I had to tailgate in, and they specifically said, we want you to tailgate in, right? So tailgate to follow someone through without right. a pass. And they put six foot high signs over every door saying, do not allow tailgating. And the way I did it was, I and I won't get paid. I'm very particular. Like I'll only get, I'll only take a payment if I do the job. And I said, uh, there was a lady walking in front of me and I said to her, what's that sign? I said, I've never seen those signs before i'd never let anyone in just follow me would you and of course as i'm talking to her, she's walking through and i did so i tailgated her whilst discussing tailgating under a six foot sign saying no tailgating wow i know and that lady I'm, I, I, I'm proud of that like, one i do like that one <laughs> you should be because that is you're advocating for something which is against it and then she she let you in she didn't think twice like, oh, well, I am doing that. Neither. It would be, she was like, it would be stupid enough to do that. For God's sake, you don't need a six-foot sign. I went, of course you don't. Yeah. And not only that, my photograph was all over that place. They circulated <laughs> too. But I think it was because <laughs> it annoyed me by doing it. Yeah. Like, and I'm, I, I, I get very uh, determined if someone annoys me. So, oh, wow. Not, I'm pretty that sure that woman sat that on her computer. <laughs> Yeah, because she, she would sit on her computer and say, look at her email and say, okay, I just let that woman in. She probably wouldn't. <laughs> she probably wouldn't she probably really wouldn't. notice me. You know, she it's just a colleague. The only thing she probably, the thing that would identify me most often would be my voice, my accent. Right. That's what people remember. That and the big boots. Yeah. I have massive <laughs> knee-high leather, sort of chunky Doc Martin boots, and people remember that. The cowboy boots. Is that right? They're not carrying the Doc Martens, so lace up military. Ah. Yeah, military oh, style. Feminine things they are. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. <laughs> so is that is that how you, when when you look back, and I know that a lot of people will look into your background, they, they already know you, they know your podcast and everything, and I, I don't want to divulge much into it, but there's a, a, a turning point in someone's career that, hey, I know that I've gone too far. In this, uh, did mm-hmm. that ever happen to you in your life that it just, you know, a tube light in your head just switched on? It's like, this is too far. And it, you're very welcome to say no to it because I don't want you to disclose anything which you don't want to do. But if there is something, I mean, that moment, lot, when did that happen? There's been lots of, lots of times. And I've told, I've told some stories before. But I mean, I, I think the, the, there's been times when... Um, there was a there was someone who was with me who who was injured and and he was and he got out the game, uh, and a job that we did which which was a, which was a proper sort of, classic infiltration of of us sort of pretending to be a uh, staff at a at a big party, uh, um, and uh, but it kind of went a little bit wrong and he got out the game and I never really saw him again and I think after that. I was I was I almost gave up then and then not long after that so so I was losing faith in 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 the in the clients really and what we were being asked to do and was this properly um legitimate and, and you know were we were we doing these things with the right people and we were but but I had some doubts it, it was dangerous and then 
uh, at the time and certainly throughout my uh, early career, I had a normal career. So I was working for uh, big fortune 500 companies, American companies in the procure of all things. I was in the procurement department. Mm. And uh, so, I mean, which is fine. And procurement people are great, but like, it just isn't this. Um, yeah. And it paid quite well, but I was being paid a lot better to do on the side physical infiltration. So everywhere I went, almost every, and I do mean almost everywhere, um, I'd, I'd sort of get calls saying, you know, can you do a little assessment or can you go and do this job um, after I'd finished the day job? I mean, there were times I went out for drinks and meals in places, uh, you know, in Asia and in Europe and, and in the States with my colleagues and then would go in and say goodnight and pretend to go in to my room and wait half an hour and then go out and do another job um wow and, and so because that because those security jobs paid as much as my monthly salary as mm-hmm. a procurement officer mm-hmm. so uh it was always worth doing and of course it wasn't just for the money it was it was uh i enjoyed it and i wanted to do it and it was secret it was mine Right. But we, but I did a few of them that got really gnarly, and there was one I did in Asia that um, I, I kind of I've been asked to do it, and I've been asked to get into someone's well, get into a house and get into a desk. Mm-hmm. Um, but they hadn't really been, they hadn't really specified that it was a domicile, that it was an actual, you know, somewhere where, where somebody lives. So like, I would not. I mean, I'm not a burglar that would burgle someone's house, right? This is a security thing. Right. It always was. But it was kind of like a strange setup, and 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 you know, I've told the story lots of times before. But 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 the long and short of it was, I managed to get into a house and get into an office, and I was looking for something in the desk and in a, an address book, and I'm not just looking for this. If I find it, I have to leave a message, right? So when I find it, and I leave the message, and it was a very expensive house and a very nice house, and it was the right. middle of the night, and I and I'd gone in a day early. Um, and normally I have lots of rituals. I'm very superstitious about, I take, like I say, it's like with the shoes. I take, I wear certain boots and I, um, and I go with, I don't have identifiers on me. I don't even have jewelry or anything on, um, back then I'm tattooed now. So I do, but I, I wasn't for a long time. And, right. and, uh, so I'd done kind of, I'd broken my own rules a little bit and I was there when the client didn't know I was uh, there. And on the mm-hmm. and as I'm sitting in the desk and kind of just looking at how nice this place was, it, the security team turned up, and I knew I could tell by the way they arrived and everything that they weren't in on the fact that this was a test and that that I probably shouldn't have been there. And for me to get out and oh. get away, I'd have to get past them. Uh, and so I, I mean, I mean, the, you know, I had to lie and hide in the in the front garden of this huge mansion with a sort of a wall and press myself up against the wall. And my hair kind of got caught on something, which to this day, I I always think was the back wheel of the car, but I don't know how it could be, but I, I used to have very long hair and wow. um, in a braid and, and, and I couldn't really move. And there was insects. It was just awful. It was a horrible situation. And then I knew that they were armed and, mm. and, and I just knew there and then that this was a, this, this was very it. bad. Not like not only yeah. did no one know I'd done it that day, but also that um, it probably wasn't a legitimate job. Although the person asking me definitely was a legitimate client, but wow. but that doesn't mean that everything they do is legitimate. And I remember at that wow. time thinking to myself, you know, 
I'm gonna, I could die here. And if I did, I was sort of, I almost felt like laughing because I thought, what's the headline going to be? The headline, no one would know, not even my family, not even my husband would really have known. My husband has a vague idea what I do at the time, but never specifics of jobs. Um, he would just know that I was in this particular city and that I went missing. And that would be it. Like, that, you'd be like, you know, English woman goes missing in Asia. And that would have been it. And I, and I almost laughed because I thought, this is just so ridiculous. And it's your own fault. <laughs> Um, in that tense situation, you you thought of this moment, and then you started laughing, almost uh, laughing. Well, I think because what happens, and it happens anyway in, in pen tests, but adrenaline will hit mm-hmm. you. You need sugar really quickly just yeah. to balance out your, your your brain and all your kind of chemicals in your system. And I didn't have any, and uh, and so I didn't know whether I was going to cough or laugh or throw up or pass out. Oh, wow. I just, I didn't know, but I knew it was something. But the situation was so bizarre. And I just thought, this is just ridiculous. How have you got, how have you got yourself here? And at that point, right. I, I mean, I did get away and, and everything else, but um, but I took a year off, like a solid year, right. I didn't answer my phone. And then I came gradually back to work. So I opened up a, a, actually a shop and, and, it, and I didn't answer my work phone. And there was stacking up all these phone calls, all these phone calls asking me to do things. I just ignored it. And then gradually I went back uh, to work. I did some consultancy and some training, not in security, but at the same time, a lot of security jobs came in. So that was the point when I almost gave up. And then I did hang up my guns. And then then after that, I kind of hang up my guns, so to speak. Loads of times after that. This is the last one. I'm never going to do it again. All the time, but it still brings you back to it. But I, I think, I think to do my job and to do to do this job, you have to be a practitioner. I think you have to do it. So I, I do at least six pen tests, mm. physical pen tests a year, myself. I, I, I'll, mm. I'll contract people out to do other things, but I do at least six because how can I come on a podcast like this and give any advice or even tell? I mean, I need the stories, right? I've got to tell the stories. I mean, you know, I'm being interviewed a lot and. And I want those stories to be real. And I want those stories to be um, important to people who want to get into the business because people see me and others and think, that's a great job. Mm. But if I if I only spoke about social engineering, there are some of the business that do and don't actually do the job, then I'm not going to stay current. And it's not as if I'm a technical person. Mm-hmm. Um, this is, you know, This is something that there's very few of us doing it. You need to be in the game to know what you're talking about. So although I always Absolutely. say I'm I'm never going to do it again, I probably will until one day I actually do fall off the windowsill, and at which point, <laughs> <laughs> and at which point I, I probably will give up at that point. You know, the, that subject matter expertise point is I think so crucial in this industry, and very few people like yourself are owners of that business that kind of subject because if someone comes up says that i'm now a social engineer well you've been social engineer five days ago right so Mm -hmm. what what kind of subject matter expertise i think what people need to do in infosec especially infosec is uh take take a particular domain like you did yourself and then become a master at it like nobody should know more than what you know and you're hungry for more and more knowledge in that domain and then you expand a little bit just like you did and uh, that that brings me to my last question is that now that 
the world has been changed. Uh, it's not the same as 10 years ago. And there's a lot of people who are now opening up businesses, startups, companies. It's now getting easier to start a physical building, uh, as, mm -hmm. so to speak. When you go ahead and, uh, well, I know that now you go ahead and get calls. You don't call people for a pen test. You go ahead and get called Never for did. a pen test. Never did. Never did, right? No. So <laughs> do you, when, when someone is starting off in this business, right? And mm. uh, do you, how do, how do you approach this as to reach out to a customer, say that, Hey, do you need it? Um, asking for their needs. Cause this is a very unusual request. This doesn't come straightforward. Like, okay, your active directory looks messed up. Let me mm. print us that for you. Well, I think, I, I mean, it's easier now in some ways because now, now is I it? can, I can be out in the open and talk about it. I mean, you talk about subject matter experts, a lot of people who are very good at this are don't do what I do. They don't. They don't step into the spotlight. Uh, I had to do it really, I, I, because I, I sort of came out the closet as a social engineer. I thought, well, I want to teach people because nobody was talking about it, and I was just so pleased when I came out of that kind of year of retirement that suddenly there were other people that did it. I just, I just thought it was great that it wasn't just. I just mm -hmm. thought it was just me, and criminals, right? And I didn't want to talk to them. So like. Um, and I would also just say, just quickly as an aside, is that uh, the more experience you have, the less you believe you know. So, a you know, I think mm. people who are really experts in it, and I do have expertise in it, I do, over, you know, decades of experience in it now. My first job was when I was just a kid. I was only about eight, and, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm coming yes. up to the big five zero in the next few years. So it's a lot of experience. But the more you yeah. do it, the less you, you, you know. You, you know the less you... Uh, actually know the more you want to learn but what i would say to people who want to do it now is that there is avenues now for this and okay. you can um have a business as a physical pen tester as a, as a social engineer but what you have got to be prepared to do is put in some free jobs um and work sort of i would say it's very difficult to find an experienced social engineer or take an apprentice on a job. You cannot take an untested weapon into the field. You just can't because people can get very badly hit. Like, so you can't do that, but you can, you can certainly learn a lot from observation and, and, and go on a mild job, like a, like a shopping center or something as your first gig, as opposed to like, you know, ministry defense site or something or a prison right. <laughs> uh, or, a, or a skyscraper. So you can do that. And I think the main thing is, is, is to learn as much as you possibly can about people, as much as you possibly can about physical side of security, and then show that you're willing to learn more. The main thing that's missing in this business is there's too many people who want to be a speaker, who want to be uh, someone who, who comes on shows like this, and they can they listen to lots of other people and cobble something together. And then in the field... They'd never get by. So you be prepared mm. to back up what you want to do with experience. And then and then what you're going to do, you say, well, but you've got, you know, 40 years experience. You Yes, but I was doing other things for a long time. If mm. your work ethic is strong enough, you can get two, you know, you can get a year's experience in six months. You just have to mm. be prepared to really work really hard. And if you can do all of that, and you do it for a long time, you get experience, you 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 look at other people and you get to see what they're good at and, and, and learn to admire that and, and, and what to read. Um, and if you do it for 40 years, then at the end of that, you'll realise how little you know and that hmm. you probably should have sold carpets instead. 
<laughs> I'm joking, but you know what I mean. Right. You know, at no, the I end do. of all of that, the people I know, and it's not just me, it's anyone I know who's got a lot of experience in something and really sort of deep expertise will probably tell you that that they feel as if they only know a tiny amount. The more you learn, the more you realise you don't know everything. Hmm. That is so deep. It is a bit, uh, isn't it? For, things... for, for the, for, it's six thirty on a Friday night in the UK when we're taking this. Yeah, <laughs> so it's no, quite different no, it's Friday okay. night. <laughs> right, right. No, the things which you have touched in this podcast, uh, some things I've never thought about it too, and I learned something new that I've been looking at certain things in career, uh, infosec as well as life as well, in a completely different manner. And here you go, you got Jenny over here who just introduced a new idea to me. And oh, now that's... the colors changes, you know. Well, that's lovely you to say. How sweet! Thank you. I'm glad it was a right, and I'm, it is, it is, and I'm pretty sure that a lot of people who are listening to this um, will be getting some part of this resonate with them to see how they can improve their lives, their business, things like that. But more importantly, how the security industry itself responds to social engineering as a whole you know because that's that's the biggest threat we have and uh we just want to tackle it yeah hopefully we do hopefully <laughs> we do so you're very active on twitter right or is it instagram well um i i have i have i have a few followers on twitter that that, that, that i you know I, I i tweet occasion rubbish on twitter you know i mean twitter's not really the yeah. professional one but it's you know the infosec community hangout on twitter and uh, for good yeah. or ill um, so, so you can find me on Twitter at Jenny underscore Radcliffe. You can find me on Instagram where I do post. Like, you will see lots of like ice cream and cocktails and things when I'm on, on the road, uh, and 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 just recently, um, sort of mountains and things in Iceland. <laughs> but I do put some stuff on there. But I think the be- the best place really, I- I'm real people hacker on t- on Instagram. But the place really where the professional stuff goes and where where, where things like I retweet when I'm keynoting or product or training courses um is linkedin so you can find me on linkedin i mean ironically i'm quite easy to find on social yeah, media you are. so you know and I, and I'm I just very... searched linkedin twitter and same person almost the same photos and yeah it's yeah, it's pretty yeah, easy you know so i'm quite easy to find from a professional point of view it's it's, it's all mm-hmm. there so and i and and happy to um i'm always happy uh although it might take me a very long time to get back to people, but I'm always happy to talk to people about this. So, Absolutely. Well, thank you so much, Jenny. It was a wonderful pleasure having you over and, and just learning a lot of things from you and uh, getting your perspective, answering a couple of questions. Thank you for doing this. Oh, no, and, no, I appreciate uh, it. It was, it was an honor to be on and, and you know, good luck with the show. It, it, it's going to be great, I'm sure. I appreciate thank very you so much, much. You inviting me. Thank you so much. And to all of our listeners, we'll see you next week at Security Rabbit Hole.